Hello and welcome back to Bullying Public Radio. Uh, we are currently in the midst of a debate. Our topic today, kicking them while they're down. Is it the most effective way? Uh, speaking in favor of the motion, uh, we have noted bully and scholar um, Max Reginald. Uh, Max, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your perspective on this issue? Thanks a lot, Jonathan. Uh, you can call me okay. Mac Dog. That's what my friends do. So... The great thing about kicking them when they're down is that you really get the idea in their heads that they're subhuman, that they they're not even worth that that they're not even worth an honorable battle, much akin to the duelists in the late 18th century. I see a, a very interesting point. We will now hear from the uh, against side, um, and this is a noted philosopher and bullyologist, uh, Doctor Sven Murderstein. Yeah, nah, so the way I sees it, and the way that it's been seen for, like, hundreds of years by the top people in our profession, I don't need to run down the list of names to you, my esteemed uh, established colleague, but uh, kicking them while they're down, they're already feeling low. If you let them have a glimmer of hope and they can really bring themselves back up, you can, you can get them more in the long haul, right? You Over the course of several years, you can really degrade their self-esteem, make it you know, turn into like a mental disorder. And, and in the end, isn't that the sort of real uh, uh, mean-spirited uh, uh, ego crushing that we are in favor of here? I think we can both agree on that. No, 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 no. I've heard this argument too many times to let this go. Now, as Dr. Nelson Muntz in The Art of Bullying says, all that's really necessary to bring that person down over and over throughout the years is to constantly make them feel like they're the focus of your attention. A quick pointing and some laughter, and you're there. Aha, aha. My, my opponent here has committed Muntz's folly. He is ignoring the fact that if you are putting all your effort into bullying one guy, what about all the other people you could be bullying? Well, uh, uh, gentlemen, I don't know if we're going to get to the end of this today, but um, let's put it to the test. We have brought out here a, a young boy in a wheelchair, and let's see whose technique is more effective. Ooh, uh, Ooh I don't know about that. Uh, you, you know, there's some lines you really just can't cross. I, I, I you know, I think, I, I think we're above that. Yeah, we, we, I mean, we're bullies. We're not monsters. That was great. No. <laughs> this is good stuff. <laughs> I, lo I love your bully voice. <laughs> it's so conniving. The, the bully voices in this show, like, they're so horrible to listen to, but they really I capture mean, Goon. just... Goon also has a bully voice. He's just <laughs> not a bully. Uh, but it is it is so funny how Boyd Scalarzo treats... The concept of bullying as like an art form. Scalarzo. Scalarzo. He's just Lars again. It's just more Lars. More Lars for your buck. Lars and Lars and Lars. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Let's do it. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. My name is Ben. And my name is Zane. And this is the Cartoncast, where we review old cartoons and see what we think of them as adults. Yeah, the Cartoncast. Yes, we have a podcast. No, it's not as bad as you think. We can do everything anyone else can. <laughs> we're just, we're thinking about cartoons while we do. <laughs> that
Nice. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited to have this conversation with you because I think it's actually going to be one of those that's hard for me to navigate because it sounds a lot like an internet conversation and I'm like hysterically bad at defending my points of view on those. It, it is difficult. I think having this body of work to, and, and um, I don't know how much you read up on the creator, uh, John Callahan, but he had some interesting points that, you know, we'll we'll see if we can, you know, not sound like terrible people as we discuss it. Yeah, didn't he have a, he, he wrote some books and uh, and this was like based off of them. <laughs> Yeah, um, we'll get into it. But what are we what are we watching today? All right. Well, today we are watching Pelswick, which is a really weird name that they never point out how weird it is. Never, never. Well, I think that's actually kind of brilliant because it's like not the most important part of its like character. Like nobody notices the weird name because there's this other thing in the way. And uh, Pelswick ran on Nickelodeon in the U.S. and uh, CBC in Canada from 2000 to 2002. Uh, and it was co-produced by the Canadian company Nelvana, which we know from uh, Kirby Right Back at You and the Magic School Bus, and <laughs> thanks, and thanks, Chinese Canada. company Hongying Animation, which did work on shows like uh, Hey Arnold and Sabrina the Animated Series. Yeah, and I remember this series very like tangentially. Uh, it definitely stuck in my mind. I don't remember. I don't know why it was so in my mind, but that one and talented episode. You remember? Did you watch that one? I, I didn't get to see it, but I do remember it. I remember the song that they sang. How crazy is that? And the show was not very popular. It ran for two seasons, um, and it was just losing out to stuff like you know better stuff at the time, like Hey Arnold and uh, Fairly Odd Parents and, and things like that. Yeah, it was on Nick during Nick's kind of heyday, you know, the, the early 2000s, yeah. you know, late 90s thing when it had a lot of competition. And it, you know, it has some interesting things that we'll talk about. But in terms of quality, it's not what you would consider a classic. No, not by any any means. Um, although I, I think that the show is rather good, but uh, it's, it is a very unpopular show. Funimation actually wanted to release a, a DVD of Pelswick uh, in 2004, but like they they wouldn't have made their money back. So <laughs> just because nobody knows what the hell it is. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So uh, I guess let's get started on what the what the plot's about. Or did no? We should probably talk about the. Uh, let's talk about John Callahan. The the premise I think ties in because you need to know that um, Pelswick is a is a slice of life show about a teenage boy who. And, and he is disabled and in a wheelchair, right? And this is important because John Callahan, um, who who created the show, who did some cartoons that some parts of the show were, were based on, uh, is a quadriplegic who's who's known for making art that you know touches mm. on these taboo subjects. So he you can you can really get a sense of his perspective on things from the show. Um, so so and and I viewed Pelswick very much as just an avatar of uh, John Callahan and, and a way for him to get out his frustrations with um, people who mean well, but see him as less than. So I actually did not have this perspective. I didn't do as much research. I didn't realize that the creator was also quadriplegic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you go onto Callahan's website, it's, it's really interesting. Do you remember that uh, Dave Attell show, Insomniac? I, I definitely do. That was like the era where I was watching Comedy Central all the time because it was like the only show that was worth a damn uh late that night john callahan was on that show really yeah he's Doing a, what? in uh, in portland and the david tell went to visit him and they and they talked about it 
about what? <laughs> what do they about, talk about? About taboo comedy. So it, oh, they, uh, I, I, I guess that makes one. sense. I, I looked up some of his uh, sketches. They're they're kind of funny. Uh, David one that Tell I like, has like a weird fondness of like little people. Uh, one of his comics it's that I liked it was um, two KKK members, and the caption just read, "Don't you love it when they're still warm from the dryer?" <laughs> that's I mean that's pretty funny. Yeah, um, and if you go onto Callahan's website, he kept all the hate mail he received. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, neatly organized, uh, free for anyone to look at. And the best ones are the ones where his cartoon made fun of people in wheelchairs, and people write in to tell him, like, you shouldn't make fun of people until you can understand the emotions behind <laughs> such a life of struggle. Ayo. <laughs> Ayo. <laughs> oh, that's awkward. So so I kind of I like this guy's uh, attitude and style, but I think... Um, his sort of, we'll get into it in the tone of the show, he has this sort of uh, very anti-PC kind of South Park kick, and it doesn't really work that well in a in a children's cartoon. P- PC is the name of the game, I think, mm-hmm. um, because it, it the show does have the, a preoccupation with figuring out whether or not it's okay to be non-PC or not. I imagine the censors had a field day. Oh, they must have hated it. Um, and and it's, a, it's a problem that I encounter kind of regularly these days it's like i don't know how much is too much and mm-hmm. if i should speak up or not because I, I tend to be pretty pc yeah just because it costs me very little and it comes rather naturally to me but i could see an argument being made that it were going too far and the argument has been made umpteen thousand times on like facebook like I, I find uh, myself police <laughs> i find myself consistently on the wrong side of any given argument about this yeah, it, which is why I'm kind of excited to talk about it. So, uh, yeah, war- warning going ahead. We're probably going to be saying things that are either offensive or irritatingly non-offensive. <laughs> right. And it's, you know, the show itself, there's not a ton to talk about. It Like, it, it's a pretty average slice of life show in a lot of ways. And you can tell, like, it wants to be more than that cartoon about the kid in a wheelchair and it doesn't really succeed i don't think that that's true i uh, i mean i think it's got a lot in there that is um maybe not exemplary but at least unique from that kid in the wheelchair cartoon i, I thought i mean the, the art styling alone I well the art yes uh, but i think the awkward teen cartoon is it's just a little too overdone especially on nick at that time when you also had like it, as told by ginger you know the the rugrats all grown yeah. up was around that time I, the interesting thing about this show, I think, is that um, it's a lot smarter than a lot of the contemporary fare on Nickelodeon. Yes. Like, the jokes are smarter, the the, the, the tie-in humor for adults happening to be watching is a lot smarter. Um, I, I love the subplots with uh, Mr. Jimmy, the, the fairy godparent. That's a, like a little Sherlock-esque mystery right in the middle of every episode. He is fun. Um I, I thought it was a little too formulaic and like the fact that I could so early on in an episode tell exactly what was going to happen took away from the whole, you know, like, oh, adults can watch it too kind of thing. I don't know. I didn't see as much in it, but I, I can be persuaded otherwise. So let's let's dig into it. Yeah. So um, just so you're you're aware, Zane, uh, I'm going to probably start doing this. I'm going to add like a new tiny section where we talk about the novelty of the show we have just done it right now it's about kid in a wheelchair and also like political correctness in cartoons like what does this show do that we haven't looked at before just to just to kind of like give us the basic things that we're going to be looking at while we're going through this yeah what what makes so this that's different. the novelty 
Oh, I like that. It comes right before the character, or right before the characters, or plot, or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, yeah, yeah I like we're that. gonna start. I guess we start with characters, huh? Sure thing. All right, so we got uh, main character Pelswick Eggert. <laughs> Ooh, not a great. Who's, who's naturally he is already a subscriber for bullying. by name alone. Well, I mean, he's a subscriber to our podcast by name alone. Right. Good egg stuff. Good eggs. Um, um, yeah. So yeah, and, and he is a clear, in my opinion, a clear stand-in for Callahan or other disabled people. He knows. Um, yeah. He, he's in a wheelchair, and he doesn't like he doesn't feel particularly limited by it. What's really interesting is that it, it's not, he's not limited by it in his day-to-day life, like the actual things that he's doing, but it clearly has taken a toll on his outlook because he is extremely sardonic and petulant like 90% of the time. This is a very real thing uh, that people with disabilities have. People, I've read accounts of people who are blind or mostly blind or have chronic pain, and um, they find that people's responses are more annoying than the disabilities themselves. How do you mean? Uh, so apparently there's a thing where blind people, other people don't believe that they're blind and will like set them up to trip. That's because people are assholes. Bonkers. Why? I don't know. Um, there's actually a really interesting thing about how um, how some people, it seems as though they overcommit to being PC and like right. making allowances for the differently abled because they're trying to like assuage their own guilt of being perfectly like normally functional <laughs> right uh, to the extent that anyone so maybe, is maybe it's like they don't want to believe that blind people exist because it makes them feel bad yeah um i have a friend who has a uh, chronic pain and she hates it whenever somebody says oh but you look fine like like you oh, look well, so thank good God for that <laughs> yeah um wow yeah. I, I don't know i don't even know what to say about that it's like so far outside my action like interactions but yeah, Pelswick is like we see this in the in the bully interactions he has. He's he's got such a good wit, um, and he kind of enjoys the, like somebody actually treating him like anybody else. I actually thought that Pelswick and 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 Boyd had like one of the more honest relationships in the show. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I don't know if you noticed this. It seems like Boyd very rarely actually picks on him because of the yeah, wheelchair. He'll, he'll, like address him by a name that might be related to it, but. Yeah, Pell's Wheels. Pell's Wheels. That, that's Which, almost affectionate, though. That's, that's a good nickname. Yeah. Um, because Pell's Wick is such a bad, like... Yeah, yeah, that's an upgrade. Pell's Wick. Yeah, it's it's pretty not good. It's right up there with Oxnard. Um, but the idea that it he has a crummy outlook on the world makes perfect sense, given, like, he, he's probably been, you know, looked down upon his entire life, which culminates oh, yeah. really nicely in one episode specifically. Uh, the one where the uh, where his dad uh, starts dating that woman. I didn't see that one. Oh, man, that was that was like the key to the whole show, Zane. The um, she, he starts dating this woman, Spagna. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Don't worry about it. That's, Don't worry about it. This show. Uh, and what happens is that uh the entire family is other. Uh, the rest of the family is very skeptical about her coming in. Um, sorry about the sirens. You have so many sirens. I know it's it's rough. Uh, the entire rest of the family is skeptical about her joining in and like joining into the family. And then she she comes in and she's like really uh, nice to the grandmother, really nice to the sister, like totally relating to them on their levels, and they appreciate it. 
And then she gets to Pelswick and she treats him like an invalid, you know, cuts his food for him. Uh, she like expresses extreme pride for him doing very, very simple things, even within a wheelchair. Like, and that's the point at which it, the, the spectrum starts to flip to like, oh, maybe this over PC and like behavior is actually detrimental to the people that it's supposed to protect. But I would argue that she's not really being PC there. She's just being ignorant. Yeah. And that's an interesting line that, you know, again, we often find ourselves in a uncertain situation like that, right? Especially on the internet. Totally. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, and, you know, well, I'm sure my true colors will be shown throughout the rest of this episode. <laughs> so I'm not going to delve into my own uh, relationship with that right now. But it, it does help kind of show his his character. And you can tell, like, the people he hangs out with, they don't, you know, they don't care. Um, but, like, people he really doesn't get along well with, like um, his dad or or the principal or even his love interest, who all kind of, you know, treat him differently. And, um, you know, that's a source of a lot of, of the show's tension and, and the plot lines is... He wants to do something. Everyone's like, oh, no, oh, no, we need to make these accommodations. And then he's like, no, guys, like, it's fine. Yeah, it's that's, that's a really interesting point. Like, why is it just his friends and Boyd specifically who treat him normal? Because they're kids. Because they're kids and everybody else is, adult, is adults, do you think? I, I, I think so. Um, You know, his dad, like, okay, that makes sense. There's a reason for that. That goes beyond the fact that his dad's like this incredible straw man of aging hippie liberal. Yeah, he's like a. <laughs> there's like a. It reminds me of Miss Grodke from Recess or Mr. Uh-huh. Simmons from Hey Arnold. Why are there so many of these? I don't know, man. <laughs> they're, they, they're popping out of the woodwork. Uh, I'm, I'm actually curious be, just because we happen to be talking about um, Pelswick's, you know, kind of negative uh, perspective on the world. Uh huh. I was wondering if John Callahan maybe had that growing up before he kind of accepted it and, you know, came to terms with it. Well, actually, John Callahan uh, was uh, in a car accident, I think, at like age 21. So he is actually, if this is an avatar, if he is portraying himself in this way, it's sort of an imagined uh, look at at what life would have been like. It's not quite the same, no. Yeah. The uh, it was uh, I believe it's been hinted at in the show that Pelswick uh, was in a car crash in like oh really at like seventeen or something interesting I don't remember because uh, or thirteen I guess yeah he's like eighth grade yeah he's a, they're they're in eighth grade I don't know which I'm, I think I'm missing mixing up two pieces of trivia, <laughs> but it's not important um but yeah and and you you get a sense through Pelswick and through the show in general a good sense of the people that John Callahan does not like yes uh which are you know the politically correct. Hippie liberals, hypocrites, bullies, anyone in a position of authority, and his dad. Yep, basically people who are paying him too much attention. Mm-hmm. E- even his love interest. There's, like, some real love-hate Helga stuff going on there. Like, why why is she treating me? so? Like, like, he doesn't seem to have a great viewpoint on his main love interest. Right. Like... I mean, he's he's viewing her very superficially as well. She comes off not smelling like a rose very, very frequently. Yeah, he doesn't have a good perspective either. Um, what? Why do you think it is that when the characters, you know, are trying to be more sensitive or inclusive, why it doesn't work? Are they just stupid? Are they... Um, like, what's that about? Uh, I'm not sure. 
I've definitely had times in my life where I would make allowances. Like, I'd be like, oh, this person has some form of handicap. So I should... And I would I would have the thought immediately, I should not treat them special. But are you ever at the doctor's office and they're like, okay, now breathe normally. I'm like, well, there's like a, <laughs> I'm in a doctor's office and you're checking how my lungs are. How am I supposed to breathe normally? Right, right. So like, and I'm not saying that that's an excuse, but you, you have to take that into account. Well, I think, you know, a lot of us go through our day to day and, and don't interact uh, with people with disabilities very frequently. Mm. And so it's very hard to immediately shift into that headspace and think, okay, how would I prefer to be treated? It, it, it consumes a lot of mental energy and it's not a skill most people are practiced in. That's true. And it might be like a function of how often these people spend time around Pelswick, because his two best friends are presumably around him all the time, and they just, they're just, they're just used to it. Yeah. But his dad, you know, probably doesn't see him as much as he should. Yeah, he's a single um, dad raising a family. There you go. As as um, I mean, liberally as possible. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, what other characters do you even want to talk about? Because the I thought his friends were kind of boring. Yeah, smart guy and dumb guy. Yeah, which is weird. Like, didn't didn't need that. Yeah, they're just and the smart guy didn't even seem all that smart. He just weird guy and dumb guy. Yeah, it was like uh, it was like the Drew Carey show all over again. Kind of. <laughs> Except they did it a bit better then. Uh, I do um, like Boyd. Boyd <laughs> is Boyd is a great relationship. Uh, him and Pelswick. Yeah, like that's. I don't know. I would love to have Pelswick's kind of ideology on this like whether he appreciates parts of that relationship i think it's so great that the tension in the show the 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 plot lines that develop boyd's not the villain usually he he can be an antagonist and he shows him he's like hey dickweed you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then and then he wanders off for five minutes does his own thing really the villain if there is one to be is is the people who mean well (laughs) yeah it's it's greater society trying to make allowances yeah it, it, which is which is interesting. And did you uh, did you see the episode where uh, Boyd uh, went into a wheelchair? No, but I, I I was reading up on it online. Yeah, Pelswick like wants to be mean to him and just cannot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and of course, Mister Jimmy, you know, gives him his lesson. Then the you know the moral of the of the story, like yeah, it'll feel great, but like don't be that guy. <laughs> his lessons are so like. I don't know, like home, they're like, you know, home cooked wisdom. This is the other thing about that the show is, you know, beside common team drama is uh, he's got a he's got a fairy god, god, uh, godfather, god factor. <laughs> he's got he's got the god factor. <laughs> Man, that sounds sweet. <laughs> Tom yeah, Cruise this, is this bizarre, like, I don't um, Dr. Light esque like fairy that f- comes to his He's a guardian angel. So, yeah, Mr. Jimmy. And apparently he's very good at his job because he doesn't explain things. He lets Pelswick figure it out on his own by being, like, worse. Yeah, he, he talks in riddles, much like the master from uh, Venture Brothers, the master that, that or- Dr. Orpheus talks to. I was thinking of, like, uh, the genie from Aladdin because he speaks oh, yeah. mostly in non sequiturs and poorly aged pop culture references. He Yeah, <laughs> If there's a pop culture reference that doesn't fit in the rest of the show, this is the guy who can bring it out. You know, I think we were talking about 
like we were, what was the show where we were talking about one character that you couldn't make these jokes with any other character oh but this character is specifically for that mm, i don't remember where it's just is he's enough not in the rest of the show that you can get away with it i can't remember what it was but it's it's one of those characters yeah and and so the manner of his advice usually goes um you know he'll show up and Pelzuk will say oh i've got this problem and Mr. Jimmy, which is, God, these names. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty great. Mr. Jimmy, you know, will go off on this, you know, story or tangent or do something stupid. And he'll just annoy Pelswick more and more until Pelswick says, you know, like, why can't you just, you know, tell me what you're, what you're actually feeling? Why can't you just tell the truth? And then he's like, oh, I was supposed to tell the truth all along. <laughs> yeah. You know, so- something like that. Yeah, real, like nancy drew mystery stuff there like but there's no way to figure his hints out because you need more of the plot to unravel there was one episode where he gives hints or or, or like he doesn't give hints because he knows pelswick hates that but pelswick is assuming that he that they are hints (laughs) that's really good actually that's a nice subversion yeah that's like this show is very smart in these ways yeah like about about half the time it's very clever well the the fact this whole Mr. Jimmy as a method of, of gaining understanding is great because, you know, you can always see idiocy in other people, but it's so much harder to see it in yourself. Right. And it's kind of nice, like, usually that Pelswick is the, because he's the, he's the narrator, he's usually the one who makes the most sense, and everybody's kind of ludicrous around him. Yeah, it's his perspective. Right, but when Mr. Jimmy comes along, he's usually look he usually looks kind of less heroic, I guess. I like mean, less reasonable. He doesn't look exactly heroic. Well, okay, but you, you get do you get what I mean? Yeah, kind of. Like it, it, it's almost through like most of the rest of the time he's sort of the good guy, and when Mr. Jimmy comes along, he just looks like a petulant child. Yeah, absolutely. Like, refusing supernatural help. Like, come on, man. And that might also be related to the fact that Mr. Jimmy never brings up, you know, his his wheelchair. Or not as much. Yeah, I, I actually wonder if this is working off of uh, Fairly Odd Parent rules, where you get Fairy Godparents if you're a sad kid. Because <laughs> it does seem that way. Anyway, um, do you want to go into the tone? Yeah, the other characters are not that interesting. You know, Julie, the love interest family yeah i do want to mention briefly almost copy paste from jimmy neutron actually actually hang on a second sheen's the dumb one carl's the weird one you have the love interest who's an like who's kind of a rival you have the best friend of the love interest who's a sassy black girl okay that that is very true um (laughs) but uh Everybody treats this child as special <laughs> for some reason. Pelswick's going to transport you to the cornfield, Ben. <laughs> um, but his family, he, he has like this creepy little sister and insane grandmother. Yeah, these are real sitcom chaff, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, and like there's a couple of minutes every episode that are devoted just to the grandmother's insane antics that really don't tie back into the plot. We're just watching a different, creepier character. Yeah, it yeah, I don't have a better way to put it. Like it's just like this is the this is the comedy that the show she she's also the character where like the comedy goes where you can't fit it into the regular episode. She's usually doing some wacky subplot. And and there's a good bit of time filling in this show. Like there are several scenes that just don't do anything. 
So uh, I actually appreciated The Grandmother from Hey Arnold more than this one. Oh, I kinda, much more. I kind of like this one, but the one I from don't. Hey Arnold is so much more subtle. Yeah, more more textured. Sure, I think I think I agree. It might be a problem with uh, might be a problem with pacing or something. They just don't kind of know where to focus. Well, there's just not enough in any given situation to merit a whole episode. Like you know where the sh- you know where the show is going. You know what the situation is going to be. And so the the little scenes that they do where they cut to you know somebody else and watch them for a little bit, right? I mean, it gives a sense that things are going on outside of our main character's perspective, but that doesn't do a lot because the other characters are not that interesting. Yeah, that's true. Uh, they didn't really do a ton of world building here. It doesn't seem <laughs> like, which is okay. Uh, I think that focusing mostly on Pelswick is the right idea. Sure. Especially if you're trying to get that, you know, uh, handicapable perspective. But then the the parts where they do veer away from him are really b- bizarre and out of place. Yeah, and, and so there's actually, there are times when they jump to other characters, and there are also just these, um, you know, quick cut sequences in characters' imaginations, kind of like a family guy cut transition. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I put this in, in animation, but there's a lot of imagined spots in this show where... It's almost like Pelswick is Doug in a wheelchair. I got, I got a bit of Doug vibes, but then you reminded me just how like witty and scathing he is, and that's a very different. Uh, yeah, that's a very different character. It, yeah, well, I mean, it's a kind of a mirror mirror version of Doug, isn't it? <laughs> like, what if Doug was was was, was treated was, this, was treated this way like, from a young age? His naivete finally crumbles. Everybody's like paying attention to him in the way that he like yeah is is scared of more than anything else. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe that's what happens. And the the little breaks with reality, these uh, quick imagination scenes, uh, they're a lot shorter mm. than the ones in Doug or in Family Guy, uh, and they work because they don't give you uh, as much lead up. Yeah, but the payoff is a lot lower. They they start off grounded, go a little off the rails, and then you're back to the main scene. I actually think that they're they are lower, but they're much more consistent than Family Guy. Mm-hmm. Like I think that Family Guy, um, I mean. It, it's not a novel opinion. Family Guy's gone on too long. They've really lost sight of what they are. <laughs> you know, old old Family Guy would have pretty... They generally would do imagined spots for, like, weird pop culture references mm-hmm. that they could cash in on. And, you know, that doesn't always hit very well if you don't happen to get the reference. Or sometimes they're just indelicately, like, established, like, especially in the newer seasons. Instead of pop culture references, we usually have Jerry Seinfeld punchlines. <laughs> like... I remember in the, uh, I think it's like the first episode, um, where the main love interest, uh, I don't remember her name. Julie. Julie says, I know first aid, if anybody loses their eyeballs, you send them straight to me. And Goon's like, how will they find you? And then it goes into like the <laughs> thought bubbles and just like a guy without eyes walking around in the forest. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It's a fun little weird thing. Yeah. There, there's some, there's some of that, uh, you know, three panel comic DNA working. Yeah, its yeah, way absolutely. In. There's quickies throughout the entire episode. Yeah. Um, which I actually don't hate. Like, they're not that funny, but they don't cost you much. <laughs> and in terms of, like, the tone of this show, you know, it is a bit unfocused. Um, it's, yeah. especially in its criticism. You, you know, I, I, I was thinking, actually, a little bit, like, this is kind of like South Park for kids. Hmm. It's, it's not as crude. It would be hard to be, um... But it's less focused in its criticism. It's just like saying, like, hey, you know, don't be so PC, everyone. 
yeah, here's here's some bullshit in junior high life that you're just going to have to deal with. So deal with it. Yeah. Whereas South Park's more like, here's some bullshit that you're going to have to deal with in the rest of your life. So deal with it. Right. Um, and I think that I think that South Park is a little bit less, you know, uh, humble about their <laughs> novel opinions. Yeah, absolutely. But you might you might have a good point there. They like they're kind of doing the same thing, which is kind of trying to teach you about some of the absurdity of life and how to navigate it, mm-hmm. but with a different audience. It's, but you know, if you compare it to South Park, anything looks kind of kiddie. This is a bit more adult than your usual nickelodeon fair it's adult in its like themes and it's like plot lines but not really in um i mean it the the issues that they talk about are all pretty adults right but the characters don't handle them you know in in super complex ways they're no, ways that ter- a child would understand yeah and they're not terribly mature about it sure right it, it's done in a way that a child would understand yeah that's true uh, but I, I appreciate like the the inclusivity to issues like, mm-hmm. um, you know, your parents, uh, your your single father trying to date again. How do how do you approach your you know your would be stepmom? You know things things like that. It's kind of all over the place in this show, which kind of would not have a you wouldn't see that in a fairly odd parents. Um, so what did you think of the humor in this show? Like the jokes, I, I I wasn't really into it. Um, you know the the short little witty things. Again, this is one of those shows that, you know, based on comics, the humor really suits comics better. Mm. Um, you know, I didn't think it was sustainable across tw- you know twenty two minutes, twenty three minutes. Sure, but I liked some of the jokes. It just there wasn't enough meat to to pay too much attention to, so some of them just kind of went over my head. I think that the jokes all hit. I think that I think that not not enough meat is the criticism that I would that I would also. And remember, agree we with. here at the Cartoncast are fans of large meat. Yeah, we love big meat. <laughs> big meat. <laughs> big shout out to large meat. The so like I want to say some of the jokes because I think that it kind of shows you how this can be that the show can be like a little bit self-deprecating and clever at times. Yeah, sure. Especially with the character of Pelswick. Like he's really the one who's pushing that <laughs> can I make fun of this situation mm-hmm. even though it's sad sort of sort of thing. So when they're talking about like people possibly getting injured on the school field trip, he's like, "Why are they worried about me? I'm the only one who can't get accidentally paralyzed." <laughs> Which is That's pretty dark joke. humor, you know? Yeah. I I, I kind of like Pelswick's perspective where when other people are saying, like, you know, look on the bright side or be happy, he's like, no, this is bad. And when people are like, oh, that sucks, he's like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> like, he's very he's very contrary. Yeah, he, contrary is a good word for it. I mean, he, he's had life throw garbage at him, so now he just, that's just his outlook. That's just his defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. Like, he, I mean, the sardonic parts, he's kind of biting back to very innocent questions just not because he's fighting against the people but he's because he's fighting against his whole life i i think that the show could be better if if they really let him and his wit kind of expand if if it was him a bit older and the show for a bit older audience i think it would have a lot better um a lot better voice in what it's trying to do. Yeah, get get rid of the grandma and the and the fairy godparent like get rid of all the insanity stuff and keep the real the real core of this show, which is, you know, uh, Pelswick just kind of rebelling against his circumstances without a good outlet for it. 
Uh, I, I did think that the jokes were usually laugh out loud, not not usually laugh out loud sort of jokes, but more like that was clever sort of jokes. Yeah, that was a clever comeback. Yeah, exactly. That's the kind of thing I would say if I was in this situation, which I'm not. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, <laughs> he's asked how school is, and he's just like, I think I mean, I think I'm really zeroing in on that pole vaulting scholarship. How'd your day go? <laughs> that's not that funny, but you're just like, ah, oh, this guy. Like this would be a fun yet infuriating guy to live with. Yeah, exactly. But you'd always have good conversations with him. Mm-hmm. It, it must be so difficult to get on his good side. Like, what does a guy, what does a guy have to do? He's so ready to shoot you down. <laughs> Yeah, well, I you know his his best friends, you know Ace and Goon, and and I think maybe the reason that they all have stupid names is so that you like nobody can relate to them, or like or like you know how when you're like when people in shows or in real life are picking out like baby names, they're like, oh man, I hate so many people with that name. Yeah. Um, I think they were trying to avoid that. What with all the weird names. Uh, I what 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 leads you to believe that that was the reason? Because they all have stupid names. There, there could be another reason for that, though. Like, what if they were just trying to make this show, this show, really quirky? That's true. I mean, they certainly have another. They certainly have enough chaff characters that do that for them. Like, add quirk in place of like effort on your plot. Kind of. Um, but his his friends, uh, the reason that he doesn't you know hate them is because they're kind of too wrapped up in their own weirdness and stupidity to to give him much attention. There's a really good, uh, th- this actually reminds me very strongly of uh, Barry Ween, Boy Genius, mm-hmm. which I think I made you read at one point. Uh, you did, and you mentioned it on the podcast before. Yeah, and uh, it's about this kid who is unreasonably smart, like awareness in the womb sort of smart, and he, you know, has all this advanced tech, he's communicating with aliens, he can use biofeedback to make himself like jump 20 feet in the air, it's crazy. But... He's, you know, obviously treated differently from everyone around him. And everybody is always so focused on how smart is he. And his best friend is so... He doesn't care. He he cares so little about how smart Barry happens to be. And he's just like, he points, he's like, that's why. He gets to know because he doesn't care. Yeah, absolutely. Which is so similar. That's so similar to this. It's like they, they get to hang around me because they don't care about me i've mentioned before how many of uh, my former students were like you're the best teacher and i feel like i can tell you anything because you're not gonna do anything about it (laughs) (laughs) um but the do you do you think pelswick is kind of like barry ween in the sense like okay barry ween understands all these scientific and and technical things pelswick kind of understands all these social issues already because he's had to live with them and so when people are like oh you know what maybe we all should have just asked someone's you know your opinion or someone else's opinion from the beginning he's like yeah duh (laughs) yeah thanks for catching up he does seem really ahead of the curve in that sense by the way i think that there's like a truck of some sort outside my window i do apologize for anybody who happens to hear that ben don't apologize that's pitying them (laughs) yeah it'll make the truck feel bad (laughs) those are tears very rhythmic loud tears concussive so uh yeah i I think we're at a good breaking point um should we go on to animation yeah so this is which we did already talk about a little bit with the imagine spots but there's more to it it is crude but effective um you know it's not actually callahan's cartooning style but it has some similarities it's um 
you got a lot of bulgy, droopy people, like, in the far side. Yeah, it, well, it feels to me like, uh, like, Supo Light, or, like, I can't believe it's not Supo. This is the lumpiest I've seen without it being Supo, yeah. Right. I thought Pelzuk was Stu Pickle's nephew. <laughs> He's got that little hump on the back. Yeah, with the, with the big honker that comes out of the, like, the, 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 the middle of his forehead. And all the old people have those very droopy breasts. Uh, yeah, those, those are weird. Like, that's another, like, kind of adult tone without actually adding adult content sort of things. Mm-hmm. Like, you wouldn't have that. Um, there's a thing in in more, uh, in, in shows that are geared more to, to kids, um, known as Hartman Hips, where you can't sexually uh, denote a female by their breasts because that's, you know, rubbing up against the censors in a... A risque uh, way. Yeah, now, now that you say rubbing up and nipples and never mind, but and censors, censors, uh, yeah, it, it's rubbing up against the censors in kind of a risque way. So what you do is you uh, embrace the secondary sexual characteristics beyond the breasts, which is you know hip size. So you get people like Dexter's mom with hips like three head widths, you know, like absurd proportions, just to get the whole okay, this is a feminine character. Uh, this is also why every female through. character is like wearing a bow in their hair. Yep, yep, just so you can just tell. So you can tell. It would be hard to tell otherwise. Um, I think it's eyelashes and bows is what differentiates. And why every show. guy is wearing cargo shorts. Oh man, yeah, guy <laughs> guy proportion. I don't know they what kind of like fruit this two, is. Like everyone's very cylindrical. They, they, yeah, this suffer kind of taper off to the top. Yeah, Boyd and Ace are suffering from some some bad pear body. But at least their like legs are a reasonable size. You look at Julie's legs or, or the girl's legs, and they are. They are stickly. Yeah, I mean, th- what we're basically saying is that it everything looks not normal, but in a not normal way that we haven't encountered before. And there's some <laughs> the novelty carton- to that. <laughs> the carton cast. We can only be so PC at a time, so body positivity is going right out the window. Yeah, no, no, no. These people look gross. <laughs> there's no <laughs> serious about it. Um, I, I actually don't mind how gross it looks, though. No, it's consistent. It is. It's consistent. I would say stylized. You're not. Nobody is being made fun of. Nobody is being made fun of, and nobody's really being sexualized. Yeah, they're just like we know, lump this, people. This, you know, it's sort of like a, a three dollar word that worms its way into shows that like shows and media that aren't worth defending. But I, I would say stylized is the right way to put it. Like it's, it's not that they're trying to make it look good and failing. No, they're 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 sticking with an aesthetic, and I don't precisely know what the gain of the aesthetic is but it's consistent yeah i mean they, and it looks like it was worked for they could make it more you know look more clear but they have plenty of detail especially like if you look at objects in the background like the buildings yeah it, it's iconic not realistic but you know the detail is there it, it's not as though they just were like oh box of potatoes time to make some characters no like they there was there was a considered decision. They weren't just throwing it together from scraps. And it's a real advantage in some ways. Uh, they don't worry about the consistency of sizes. So if Pelswick is, you know, lying down on his bed and Mr. Jimmy comes in and sits in his wheelchair, like, you don't need to bat an eye. Like, oh, yeah, they'll both fit there somehow. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> I would also like to point out that nobody has eyes that are the same size as each other. Yeah, this is uh, it's something they did in Ed and Eddie, I think. Yeah. Like, especially with Johnny 2 by 4 but I think with Ed as well, and I think he, like, Pelswick's got Eddie eyes, 
where like you don't see the eyelids but the eyelids can like creep over <laughs> if you really need them to yeah does it look good what is what is the purpose of that decision like does it look better Eyes are always really weird in animation, like, because if you've ever looked at anything with Sonic, it's just, like, this gigantic visor with pupils rather than two distinct eyes. Oh, God, yeah, I forgot about that. All of the eyes in this show are, like, external and without skin. Like, they're just, like, googly eyes. (laughs) Like, everyone's a cyclops, and then they just have a second one just so it looks even. (laughs) It does look that way. or, Or, like, they just stuck googly eyes on them. It seems as though eyes are more different in cartoons like than any other facial feature, and I don't know why that is. I guess it's the easiest thing to change and still have them recognized as, that's oh, that's what they are. Like, it's a nice round shape, it's got a dot in the middle, they're constantly moving. And it depends a lot. Like, the real estate that you have depends on the restraint of the head size. Yeah, that's true. And head sides are inconsistent, but you need to have those eyes for, like, emotions and, and to see where they're looking, so... You know, they just didn't have enough head left. They're like, okay, we have X amount of head. All right, we got it. We we got a we got a crate full of facial hair. Okay, we got to put it into storage. There's no storage left. We got this. We got too much in there already. All right, well, let's I tell you what. Let's just move these eyes. Stick them right on the outside of the building. No, no sweat. <laughs> got, no, it's we like, got enough um, room now. <laughs> I'm making a head. Oh, I see. Uh, are you gonna have enough clay? This part's the nose. Okay, well, it looks like you used up half your clay already. Do you want to, like, take some... That's the nose! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Eyes are weird, people. Super weird. (laughs) The the art style is not, you know, super outside the bounds of what we're used to, but if you're not expecting it, it, it's a little gross. And, and you know, the, the, the odd... The awkward art styling might be some of the reason that the show was so unpopular. Like, people saw it and were like, oh, kind of gross, and then just left it alone. It certainly isn't a timeless aesthetic, and it doesn't look good on a poster. You need time to get used to it. I mean, I don't because I'm I'm a supo kid. You're a connoisseur. I'm a supo man, so, like, I'm you know, kind of used to gross-looking, droopy characters already. But if you're not, if you're used to, you know the relatively angular and color inside the lines of spongebob then yeah this kind of looks crappy yeah but i i i agree it's clear that the detail and work went in it's just a different choice than most cartoonists would have made yeah so there's that uh let's see anything else in animation Uh, i don't think so um it's sometimes they do nice background jokes that are funny but they they're trying really hard and the jokes don't always make sense I'm trying to imagine one other than people like, oh, no, somebody spilled something and fell on in the background, like real slapstick stuff. Well, I mean, not really slapstick so much as like weird commentary, like in the in the intro, even Boyd and his cronies are carrying off the principal's car because it's really small. That is funny. Like, whose joke is that? Is it because he has a small car? It's because that was the largest car I could afford on my budget. Are they making fun of their own animation? Are they just not caring because those guys look huge? And two of them could probably carry a car? They needed something nefarious for them to do? They forgot that they were bullies? Not like, you know, grand larceny? (laughs) I don't think we've talked about the bullying in this show. Like how, like, uh, it's definitely a high point. Yeah, maybe. The idea of bullying as an art form and and a task in itself. Why don't we talk about that for a minute before we head into music? Yeah. 
So in the first episode, uh, Boyd is, you know, talking to Pelswick, kind of getting some cheap shots, and Pelswick is doing his wry, you know, rapier wit thing. And the conversation conversation uh, culminates with Boyd stating that he's going to plant a bully flag at the top of a mountain. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, Like, this is his identity. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is what gets him out of bed in the morning. He... And he's like, every time I bully Pelswick, I can point to that flag proudly. It's like, where did you come from, dude? That's interesting um, because their identities in this show really don't change much. You don't see a ton of growth over the course of the two seasons. Oh, not at all. And with any moral, like, he necessarily has to learn a lesson by the end of the show or solve a problem because of the fairy god paramechanic. But, you know, it's, it's standard Aesop amnesia. They forget about everything as soon as they're done with the show i really feel like the characters in the show would benefit from growth what like just being a couple uh years older yeah or or seeing that transition yeah yeah that that would be nice um but but getting back to bullying oh my god so uh we can never stop the idea of bullying as an art form is of course a brilliant a brilliant idea they really are taking it back to like you know 18th century dueling as a, like a show of honor. Yeah, like, they're just it, sniping it, it, at it, each other. They're not picking, he's not picking on him like to make him feel particularly bad. It's just like, this is their sport. Yeah, this is just this this is is what how they know do. each other. Yeah, Pelswick doesn't even seem all that perturbed when he shows up. Oh, which yeah, I think yeah. owes to the fact that he can't physically be threatened. So because he's in a wheelchair, like Boyd's like, oh, no, 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 wheelchair's off limits. But I will psychologically manipulate him to, you know, I will psychologically bully him. I got a like that's just I got a clob of that there Pelswick. Ooh, <laughs> King, listen, <laughs> listen, you don't know Pelswick. You know you can't suck in anymore. It's really not fair. He got that wheel power. <laughs> no, King, I hate to tell you this. <laughs> it's not a power. Um. <laughs> Who is this advisor that we're doing? <laughs> I thought oh, that was King. The end. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the advisor he deserves Muchacho. so i i really like the fact that he, because he's in a wheelchair like this is the thing that the wheelchair actually brings out in this relationship is that it makes it unable for him to be physically picked upon and when you lose that you put them on an even playing field boyd is no longer the bully even right because <laughs> he's not smart enough to win yeah and what other way does he have to win well, he's ambulatory. I guess that's something, but it doesn't really slow Pelswick down all that much. So, no, so he's that, just picking on him for nerd stuff at that point. That's the other factor involving the wheelchair in this show is that he can do things that someone in a wheelchair, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to pity or, or be PC, probably couldn't. Like you see him jumping, jump, jumping off a high dive in a wheelchair. Oh, yeah. Like that just cannot happen. <laughs> No, you're not. That's it's not advised. No, you can't. No, <laughs> King. I gotta tell you, the pool does. We haven't put water in it yet. Like, <laughs> I gotta tell. And that's not. That's not even water. That's just a bunch of water monsters. We ported him in from Zelda Majora's Mask. Oh gosh, <laughs> King. I gotta tell you. <laughs> Why King, did we come up with the King's advisor? <laughs> I'm using this for every D and D campaign I ever do. Wait, what? <laughs> the King's Advisor. King's Advisor? Like that voice. Ooh, boy. Like, King, mm. I got, ooh, I gotta tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, because kings in any form of media are necessarily, like, stupid, corrupt and incompetent. Yeah, Boyd would make a good, like, if they did, like, the movie where they're, like, in fantasy realms in this show, Boyd would be a great evil king. 
You know who would be an interesting thing is if Boyd was the jock instead of the bully. Mm-hmm. And and they were, you know, and and the jock sort of considered Pelswick his friend, but constantly, uh, you know, indelicately hinted at the at his at his like, uh, you know, limb inadequacy. Like like he's like, hey Pelswick, bet you can't do this. Pelswick's like, yeah, I can't. Bet you can't do this. And then he just does like, Play, I don't know. plays plays an accordion. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what's up? <laughs> Got one up on him. <laughs> But I, I think that that is really an interesting thing when you take the physical intimidation away from the bully, bullier, bully, bullied uh, relationship. They're just people arguing, kind of. Like, Boyd is not that incisive in his, you know, criticism. The way you're phrasing it is interesting because that reminds me of, like, internet conversations about this type of thing. Because in an internet conversation, you're taking away the physical differences you're taking away the physicality and that sort of thing but that generally goes in the other direction yeah it's also not a productive discussion right i remember i was bullied briefly one time in middle school and the uh the person who was doing it you know he wasn't that bright and the best he could kind of come up with was like make fun of me being a little bit chubby and he was also chubby but i couldn't point that out because i was afraid he would hit me but if he didn't have that what what exactly would be the like the, the the barriers break down. They're not even. It's not even a bullying relationship anymore. As Mister Jimmy would say, he's a creep, and creeps have a lot of fun. But you don't want to be a creep. <laughs> I can't place his yeah, like. I know the voice actor it. is uh, David Arquette, but like his voice is so bizarre. Like I can't. I cannot emulate it. It's 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 simultaneously like wizened old deep grandpa and like high-voiced clown yeah um he reminds me of uh mike Birbiglia a little bit yeah yeah absolutely like ah, aging ah. aging so uh, aging comedic white guy voice <laughs> so uh should we go into music and sound yeah there's there's actually during the scene themselves there's not a ton of music um but they no. generally have it for scene transitions and since there are quite a few of those it kind of works out yeah it's okay i mean that's you know teenagers nickelodeon like that's just kind of how they do it yeah and they have a, a grunge sound for the transition like a like a rock grunge kind of thing they're pretty aware of different genres of music in this to the point of which their intro is just ska the ska song oh yeah i love the big brass band sound and then they you know transition into those evil sounding late motifs when we see boyd <laughs> yeah like <laughs> it's like, like that, rita repulsa just jumped that on really screen. didn't fit in the song but okay like yeah do what you're doing <laughs> you got in and out of it okay i guess well that's i mean that's like i i don't think it's i mean i i unironically think that ska sounds great yeah me too like, i just love i love the big brassiness to it <laughs> Like, everybody showed up to party in New Orleans sort of feel, you know? So, that is all that is all great. And Ska sort of has this weird thing about, you, you can do whatever you feel like, and as long as you keep time, just keep going. Like, it'll all work itself out <laughs> it's in the end. It's got a lot of forward momentum. Yeah, exactly. It's the momentum. So, I really like that. Yeah, intro in is very catchy. In contrast, God, the voices are really bad. Oh, man. I think these are really irritating voices with a couple of exceptions. Like, I think Pelswick's fine. Pelswick's good. Um, Boyd, I've, I've grown to enjoy his <laughs> bully voice. Yeah, he grows on you. It's all about Boyd, man. And his creepy little sister. 
I think has a you know kind of like a, a sister Judy kind of thing. Is that yeah? Is that is that like Phil and Lil? Uh probably. Kind of sounds like Lil. Yeah, I, I think I think I remember thinking that. But yeah, but, most but of them. Like, yeah, uh, his grandmother is pretty rough. Like it's got some Donald Duck warbles underneath the surface. And and they're just not that creative voices. Like it's like somebody said like they're just like hey sound like a dumb guy. Hey, sound like an old person. Goon is so... I, I was so upset every time I saw Goon on screen because I knew I was going to have to listen to his inflections. Yeah. <laughs> like, just like that. That, that works time. in Biker Mice from Mars. It does not work here. <laughs> yeah, because you're trying to... Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it was that bad in Biker Mice from Mars. It wasn't that like blatant. No, it worked out a lot better. I, I usually like it when people commit to their bit. In, in shows, like, so I like the dads committing to his, like, you know, new agey hipster kind of, kind of bit. Like, I kind of dug that because it was a lot of, there was a lot of opportunities for subtle adult humor. But when, like, the bit is just not that good for Goon. Yeah, he's, he's super dumb. And then he's even dumber. I mean, like, uh, Ed from Ed and Eddie, kind of same character for, for a lot of pieces. Uh, you know, kind of, kind of cuckoo idiot with like fascinations about wrestling and or monster movies well he slips into the surreal yeah and he can hold a conversation yeah 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 and but the point is like he's not battering me over the head with his accent oh yeah you know yeah like ed is ed's voice is perfectly pleasant but if i wanted to do his voice i could do it like that's i think that's the balance that you have to hit you want it to be unique but not overbearing and a lot of a lot of voices in this are just overbearing so that was really unfortunate Sound effects are decent, though, like, you know, Nickelodeon. They know what they're doing. Not Nothing to write home about, but consistent. Yeah, it's just, I only noticed them in contrast to how bad the, the voices were. And yeah, not all of them. It's, it's so weird that, um, like, Pelswick is carrying this show. Because at first glance, he does not seem like a very charismatic character. Mm, he's actually really uncharismatic. Well, you said that you kind of enjoyed this show, and, and I'm curious why, because it sounds like you have a lot of... Uh, complaints toward pretty much every aspect of it i do but i also have a lot of, a lot to say in in favor of it um the mu the music is is kind of its weakest point i think but as far as like first of all i mean the novelty of making a show about a kid in a wheelchair and then using the framework to kind of draw focus to the fact that he is treated differently through either direct confrontation or through context clues that's pretty great I'm I'm really into that. And the relationship between Pelswick and Boyd and what they bring out in each other for that reason is also pretty great. I thought the animation was innovative enough that um that that it could kind of carry its message well even though it wasn't, you know, pixel perfect. Like I'm saying all these things and there's downsides to all of them, but it's not being uh, it's not being cowardly, you know? It's bold decisions that made this show and I gotta respect that, even though the product was, you know, um, imperfect, I guess. I guess that kind of sounded like a thesis, so are we kind of wrapping up? I think so. There's not a lot else I can say about this. Yeah, it seemed like you didn't like it quite as much. I didn't, you know, and part of it has to do with the fact that, um, you know, third season of BoJack Horseman just came out, so... Oh, of course. That's that's where my head's at. <laughs> yeah, I'm catching up on a lot of uh, a lot of seasons, so nice. there's... Uh, there's Bojack Horseman. There's um, yeah. Berserk. The next season came out, and uh, what was the other one? Steven Universe is back online. 
Um, and of course, Samurai Jack is in the wings, so I can't wait for that. But yeah, I don't know. I thought this show was like pretty watchable. Like, I don't know if you watched like a few episodes, but like pretty consistently like entertaining. I, I watched is, enough. It's not always a mark that we hit with these kinds of shows. I mean, take Defenders of the Earth. You can't watch that for more than two or three episodes. <laughs> yeah, this was watchable. I, I, I wouldn't say it was as entertaining as, you know, anything else I could be watching. But um, yeah, but, um, you know, hopefully the next show will be more interesting to me, at least. Yeah. So, Zane, what are we doing next? We are going to be watching Codename Kids Next Door. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this show, at least, you know, it had six seasons to grow through. So I'm curious to see. I've, I've heard that there are longer plot lines. Um, mm-hmm. So so maybe that sort of continuity will be a point in its favor. But I'm curious to see. And uh, how about after that? So after that, I thought it was, you know, it's been a while since we had Dan Caves on the podcast. So Ooh. I'm going to put the call out there um, if he would care to join us for Invader Zim. Oh, boy. Yeah, that is a that it's, is a it's time. happening, boy. Um, and I think I want to take a minute to state that we're going to try to switch up the, uh, switch up the formula for how often we do certain, uh, certain stuff in this podcast, because we realize that our best podcasts are frequently, I mean, as the second annual Cartoni Awards can attest, frequently the better episodes are the ones where we do animated movies, and I want to watch more animated movies, so rather than every 10, we're going to do every five, starting with episode 70. Um, but then we're going to do every five and we'll also be doing anime a little bit more frequently as well. Yeah. And I think that's good because, um, it's not like we're running out of cartoons anytime soon, but it's right. nice to have a bit more, uh, uh, options more frequently. Yeah. I, I mean, there are a lot of movies that I would love to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we might even kick, if that's a success, we might even kick the ratio even farther, but let's see how it goes. Yeah. I like it. All right. Um, so, uh, so in, in closing, you know, um, if you have anything to say about either Codename Kid Next Door or Invader Zim, and I know you do, go ahead and go to our Facebook page or to www.cartoncast.com and leave a comment somewhere. Um, uh, and then go ahead and like us and review us on iTunes if you enjoy the show and tell your friends about it if you think they would. Ben, I'm not going to lie. I'm terrified of watching Invader Zim. Mm-hmm. You're gonna do it. <laughs> uh but yeah. I, You're gonna I do guess, it for the love of the art. I guess I will. Should we move it up so that it's episode sixty six? Ooh, that might be well we'll think about it. Yeah. <laughs> well we'll talk. Because I, I realized after I recommended um that it that it was episode six six and I'm like, oh, I should have done something spooky. <laughs> well, uh let's talk about it. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll switch things up. All right. All right dude. Sounds good. Um until next time. Don't keep that Heiner in your recliner. Yeah, the recliner didn't uh, say it was okay. You should really ask don't, first. Don't, uh, don't take your mobility for granted. And also, don't take political correctness too seriously. Or not seriously enough. Yeah, moderation in all things. Like prohibition. Wait. Never mind. We gotta get that damn moderation. <laughs> King, I don't know how to tell you this. <laughs> you find something comical about my appearance when I'm driving my automobile? Yeah. Everyone needs to drive a vehicle, even the very tall. This was the largest auto that I could afford. Should I, therefore, be made the subject of fun? I guess so. 
Would you like it if I laughed at your misfortune? Huh? Maybe we should find out. Hmm. Now, march. <laughs> Wave to the people. Blow them kisses! <laughs> <laughs>